When generic drug manufacturers have little or no competition, they can substantially increase prices and compromise patients' access to decades-old medications. In response to repeated cases of what many see as price gouging by generic drug companies, a consortium of hospitals and health plans is establishing a nonprofit manufacturer with the explicit mission of producing affordable versions of essential drugs and ensuring a stable supply of such products. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Dan Lillianquist, a Vice President at Intermountain Healthcare. Mr. Lillianquist has co-authored a perspective article about a market-based solution to stimulate competition in generic drug markets. Mr. Lillianquist, in your article, you give examples of generic drug manufacturers that acquired the rights to an older drug and then dramatically raised the price. So how common is that kind of behavior? Steve, it appears to be more and more common. This is not something that we've seen until just recently. And over the last several years, there have been really three factors that have led to the consolidation of the generic drug market around particularly some of these older essential generic drugs that have made the news where the price has gone up substantially. And what we found is, as we looked into older generic medications, that either there was one producer for a long period of time who acted responsibly and then sold off the product, and then someone else took it and leveraged the ownership of that product at that time to dramatically increase the price. Or we've seen just an overall shakeout of the market for essential generic medications where there used to be multiple producers, and now there are one or two that have a dominant market position. And these are essential medications developed in the 40s, 50s, and 60s that every major health system in the country relies on, that all of a sudden the prices have gone up substantially, and to make matters worse, the product is hard to get. So we've seen that across literally dozens of drugs that we rely on every day at Intermountain Healthcare, and this is of concern to us in the marketplace. And really, essentially, it's very simple. It's a matter of supply and demand. The demand for these drugs is very inelastic meaning when the price fluctuates, the volume that is demanded doesn't fluctuate very much. Essentially, for a life-saving medication, what are we not willing to pay to treat our patients and make sure they get the care that they need? But unfortunately, when a supplier is able to concentrate market power with those drugs, they are able to wield an exorbitant amount of influence on the price, and that's what we're seeing in the market. So what kinds of solutions have Congress and the Food and Drug Administration proposed to try to limit this price gouging, and why haven't they been successful at doing it? Well, they've tried a variety of things. I mean, it's really hard to police good behavior via regulation, and particularly it's very hard to encourage private investment via regulation. The simple fact is, given the economies of scale in drug production, where there are substantial upfront costs relative to the cost per unit of manufacturing. Think about it, it takes millions of dollars to set up a production line, but the cost of each individual unit that comes off that line is very, very small on a relative basis. That means there are significant economies of scale in drug manufacturing. And as a result, the incumbent player that has a dominant market position has substantially lower per unit prices than a new entrant would. And so it's very difficult when you've got a player with a dominant market position to encourage private capital to flow, to compete against them, essentially a producer with a monopoly position. And so all the regulation in the world, all the encouragement in the world, really doesn't always make up for the direct lack of economic incentive to enter the market. And that's just something we've seen. We've seen these markets devolve into more concentrated markets without competition flowing back into these markets, generic drug markets that have been dominated by one or two players 
the capital that is flowing into the space is actually to try to find their own opportunities to corner a market. And so competition just has not gone very well. It's an economic issue in most cases. It's not a predictable good return to take on a monopoly position. Intermountain is one of a number of hospitals and health plans that have created together a nonprofit generic drug manufacturer that you're calling Project RX. How long has this project been in the works, and how did it come about? Well, this is something we've been considering for a couple of years. And frankly, this is not an idea that's just unique to Intermountain Healthcare. Many people in this space have been trying to figure this out for some time. And it's not a new idea that hospitals considered moving into manufacturing. The challenge has always been, how do you get into scale? Intermountain Healthcare does not have the scale to do this themselves, and neither does any health system. Even the Veterans Administration probably doesn't have the scale to do this themselves because it takes significant scale to make the per-unit prices competitive. But we thought, essentially, this is a collective vertical integration play. The other side, really the demand side of the equation for many of these drugs, comes from the hospital systems themselves who are administering these drugs to patients in acute settings. And as a result, we're purchasing these drugs every day. And we came up with this idea, well, if we were going to successfully challenge some of these monopoly-dominated markets, how would we do that? We felt like if we could capitalize a not-for-profit generic drug company that would act as a societal asset, that would be owned by no one, but owned by society at large, that if we could capitalize that company with health system investment or contributions, and then pre-contract with that company that the health systems would agree to buy what we're calling a minimum viable volume of product by drug that that company makes, that this societal asset, this not-for-profit generic drug company, could go into these markets and successfully challenge for these markets bringing competition back into, again, what used to be vibrant competitive markets, but have now devolved into monopoly-dominated markets to bring competition back. And in that construct, we could take a lot of the shenanigans that happen with respect to pricing. And Steve, I would say this just unequivocally, the market price for a lot of these drugs has no correlation to the underlying manufacturing cost, very little correlation. We think we can take the prices down of these essential medications by more than 50%. And we can do so while stabilizing the current supply, which many of these drugs are in short supply and hard to get. So that's the construct. We kicked that around for a little bit internally here at End Mountain. We found ready, like-minded, thoughtful partners early on, particularly Rick Gilfillan at Trinity, who was thinking independently about this and was an immediate, really value-added partner. I spoke to Rick for the first time last January, and of course, one by one, we found very interested parties who recognize a problem and who are determined to try to find a way to solve it. So it's just built. Last year at this time, we had several health systems engaged, particularly point out Rick Gilflin and Laura Kaiser at SSM Health, of course, the folks here at Intermountain, and then the folks at the Veterans Administration. We became uh, very close collaborators in trying to figure out how this model would work. And along the way, picked up two former C-level executives from Amgen as volunteers who helped us think through the various production and manufacturing capabilities that we would need for this business and really pleased with the progress. We met together in September of 2017 in Salt Lake City for a conference and came out of that conference ready to move forward with a business plan, which we completed in December and then made the announcement in January with really the intention to do three things. One, we thought the story would get out, and we wanted to make sure we could tell the story in our own words. Two, we wanted to make sure that philanthropy partners around the country who might be interested in helping solve this problem knew about what we were doing, and we've been pleased with their response. 
But three, most importantly, we wanted to let every hospital system in the country know what we were up to and that we wanted them with us, large and small, for-profit, not-for-profit. We want them with us because this is meant to be a societal move, one that we hope will help bring stability, access, and affordability to these essential generic medications, medications that as a society we've already paid for through the patented protected period, but now should not have to be paying exorbitant prices for now that those formulas are owned by society at large. And so we're very pleased with the response. We've had over 85 health systems reach out in just the first three months alone, and more do every day. What's your timeline for getting drugs on the market? So we will incorporate this company in the next couple of months, and then we'll hopefully have a company launch later this year. And we think we can have product on the market as early as next year. And there's a variety of different strategies that we're pursuing, but we're very pleased with the response. And frankly, from several industry players who've reached out saying, hey, how can we help solve this problem? And it's been a really gratifying thing to see. So again, we hope to have product on the market as early as next year. But I would say this is not meant to be a flash-in-the-pan effort. We are serious about creating a long-term societal asset that we hope will be a positive force in the generic drug market for decades to come. How do you respond to arguments that this kind of venture just isn't feasible, that your institutional partners will end their contracts as soon as a cheaper alternative becomes available so that your manufacturer will ultimately lose money? that is probably the biggest single business risk is will hospital systems, when they enter their contract, will they abide by their contract? Now, the positive thing is the market isn't particularly delivering well for them today. And the prices are very, very high. And we think, again, we can take the current market price down significantly and also stabilize supply. And we're not asking our members to actually purchase all their volumes through this company. We're asking them to purchase a certain amount of volume through this company. It's not our intention to drive any current manufacturers from the market because we need them. Our intention is to make sure that there are fair prices and there's stable supply. And so what we hope our members would do is to recognize that the current market isn't working well, that there's economic advantage to joining this effort, but also, more importantly, that there's hope that we can resolve some of these shortages that have plagued us for so long. Now, we also expect that there will be a competitive response. We would certainly hope that that competitive response would lead to lower prices and more predictable supply from the current manufacturers. And that would actually be a benefit to us, certainly here at Intermountain Healthcare and everyone else. So we're not requiring every member system to buy all that they purchase from us, but a commitment to buy a certain amount, enough so that this company can get off the ground and successfully compete in these markets, I think will benefit everybody. Finally, have any other groups proposed creating this sort of nonprofit generic drug manufacturer? And do you expect that there will be other nonprofit manufacturers eventually in this market? I would hope there would be. I think that this is a noble endeavor, and I've certainly had conversations with several folks over the last several months, as have several of our partnering systems of people trying to do right by the American consumer and the American patient by figuring out this model. And there are several encouraging models and particularly efforts around particular drugs that are arising. And what we're finding is those were actually going on independent of us. And we're very pleased to see that. There's a lot of good people thinking through this issue and trying to address this in an appropriate way and really feel like those are brothers and sisters in arms, so to speak, in trying to solve these problems. I don't think anybody's reached kind of the scale that Project Rx has reached, but we certainly are interested in helping where we can, helping other models develop. Thank you, Mr. Lillinquist.